0: Hi, and welcome to LeechFest, a spooky medical history podcast where we're just happy to be back after a long hiatus, just in time for creepy ghouls and spooky creeps. My name is Mia,
1: (laughs) And my name is Salem.
0: (laughs) And we are back. After an extended hiatus, as I just mentioned. <laughs> just
1: in time for Halloween. I was like, girl, Halloween is coming. I know we're taking a break, but we gotta be back for Halloween. And so we are.
0: And so we are. We um, are here once again. What have you been up to in the last couple of months? Six months.
1: It feels like it's been forever since we recorded. It's
0: been a while since I mean, I you know, I have I've been on a kind of hiatus from my YouTube channel as well, just from the fact of like we've both been extraordinarily busy mm-hmm. lately
1: was always book, booked and busy.
0: But unfortunately, not in the good way. Because <laughs> this is the good way. This is the fun way. This is the one we like doing.
1: This is the fun grind.
0: This is the fun um, grind.
1: I've been great, actually. I mentioned this on Twitter. I refuse to call it X, by the way. It's Twitter till the day I die. Mm-hmm. I was at a conference in Brazil, um, a stem cell conference. Oh. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved Brazil. I loved traveling. I want to go back. <laughs> I'm so sad to be back. <laughs> You will not believe the fruit they have growing in the street there. It's amazing.
0: You it's will not believe the fruit.
1: Crazy bananas. They have bananas. They have coconuts. They have every just like they grow like apples. Yeah, it's, I,
0: did, I did see a video that you sent over of you smashing a coconut on the ground. Yeah, with like a like a monkey then not eating it.
1: Well, because we had car- we had been carrying it around for the full day. Um. So the story is we got like a green coconut to drink the water, uh, from. And nobody would want to like I mean, you'd get it from like these little kiosks, like the guys would have a machete and they would open it up for you and then you could just like drink the water and then we wanted to go back and ask them to like cut it so we can actually eat the flesh. And nobody wanted to cut it for us. No. So we would just like go around from kiosk to kiosk being like, can you please cu- cut our coconut? And they would be like, no, sorry, my machete's broken or whatever. <laughs> my machete's broken. And then we carried it around all day, went to dinner, took it to the restaurant. And at some point we were like, well, we just have to take it into our own hands. We just have to break the coconut. And then... We broke it. Um, got my shirt dirty. Um, got like fucking coconut flesh everywhere. And then we we're like, you know what? We've been carrying it uh, around for like six, seven hours. Maybe we should just throw it. So we chucked mm. it in the ocean. That's Wonderful. the story. Um, what else? I got a new bike.
0: Well, you, well, you got a bike.
1: Oh, I got a bike. Yeah, it's not new. And so the day after I got it, it started squeaking. Mm. So now I'm going around trying to fix it.
0: It's planned upsells, isn't it? From the used bike market.
1: (laughs) So I'm trying to deal with that. How have you been?
0: I've been alternatingly great and horribly awful. (laughs) Um, I've been stressed. There's so much work. Hmm. Maybe having two jobs. Two full-time jobs. (laughs) Two full-time jobs and also A uh, a podcast and also like some other shit. Uh, And doing all of that at the same time was like not a great idea for my mental health. Um, However, what has been great for my mental health is I've been diagnosed with ADD or ADHD technically, uh, and I've started medication. It's like the big news of the year, honestly, for me. I I keep talking about it. I can never shut up about it. In fact, I would argue I talk about it a bit too much. Mm -hmm. It's been a few months now. And like every conversation I'm in, like, "Mm, by the way, did you know I'm on meds?
1: (laughs) You love also saying, by the way, I'm on meth.
0: I'd say that to you. No, I've
1: heard you say that to the politician people on the board that your friends with. I
0: do Well, not on the board. Like within the party. Within yes. the party. It's more casual within the party. I mm-hmm. wouldn't say that to like the liberals. You know what I mean?
1: Um, No, it's all prescription. It's oh. all great. Thumbs up for psychiatric medication. We love that we'll, we love to. We love to see it. And we love to get it.
0: <laughs> also for the Americans out there, liberals here... Are right wing,
1: mm-hmm. and so are the moderates.
0: I know that that's a con- I, I once spoke to a few Americans about mm-hmm. this, and I was talking mm-hmm. about I was complaining about like the liberals, which again here are considered kind of like right wing, and they were like legitimately confused because that word is like cemented as like progressive and mm. good and left wing, but it's like no, that's no, <laughs> just that America. That's the most left wing thing America has. <laughs> so that's mm. no. but that's a different discussion because today. If you don't mind.
1: I don't mind at all.
0: Perhaps it is time to go teetering towards the abyss of today's episode. But of course, first, we want to thank all the creepy ghouls that have supported us uh, both before the hiatus and during it, and hopefully after it, now that we're back. Uh, I am, of course, talking about our dear patrons. and Let's hear it for the
1: patrons.
0: <laughs> the patrons um, that I just called creepy ghouls. I'm very sorry.
1: They'll, they'll love it. <laughs> Thank you, Creepy Ghouls, for supporting us Um, through Fick and Fin. um, You know, we decided to pause, actually, the Patreon for the time that we left. uh, But we are so thankful that you're still sticking with us um, and, you know, helping us have this this wonderful project going. But there is one particular patron that we want to say thank you to, and that is Effie Simon. Thank you, Effie, for... Uh, supporting us and for liking us and loving us and giving us five dollars every month um we love it and we love you
0: we love thank you very much we love it we love it we love you we love five dollars thank you (laughs) thank you very much
1: i love me a good five dollars anyway let's
0: (laughs) ain't nothing wrong with a good five (laughs) dollars uh
1: with that being said let's get into the episode So as mentioned, we're getting back into regular posting with a Halloween episode, which is a very special episode, uh, which is where we, meaning Mia and I, tell you creepy stories that have something to do with medicine or medical history, tangentially, but really it's an opportunity for us to um, to, to fuck around and uh, tell creepy stories.
0: Oh, I forgot about that part. <laughs> My story is, I guess, very not very serious, medical, actually. medical <laughs> oh, <layers>. related. <really? laughs>
1: I kind of forgot about that part. You forgot about the medical, medical history
0: part of the podcast. It started out with a medical angle, and then it sort of evolved into a spooky story. Okay, it's fine. It's uh, I can okay. I apologize. Forget
1: I said that. Then we're just telling spooky stories.
0: I'm very sorry. Um.
1: Anyway, we so Halloween is my favorite. I dare say, our favorite holiday of the year. Would that be so bold to assume? No. No, you like Halloween. Perfect.
0: I mean, I like Halloween, but like also at the same time, it's like, I, is it my favorite? I don't know.
1: Okay, fine. It's, it's my favorite holiday of the year and I like it so much that this, this year I'm, I think I've successfully convinced Mia to have not one. But two spooky sides. Yeah,
0: having another one, so like if, if if the fact that like my my topic isn't very medical related, I'll I'll be better next time. Perfect. So this so you'll actually I'll actually do the thing I actually said I was gonna do.
1: So the story I will be telling this year um, is a bit similar to the one I told last year, in that it's about a male doctor who simply cannot not be creepy. The mm. one I will be telling next time is kind of mysterious and a bit supernaturally, but we'll take them one by one. So today's story is about a man called Dr. Carl Tensler, also known as Count Carl von Cosell, which is how he preferred to be named, but oh, I will call him Carl.
0: Okay, but like if that's the way you style yourself, you gotta be a little evil, I bet.
1: <laughs> and he <laughs> sure don't have, was.
0: Because like you already have like a fun name.
1: Recall, you're calling yourself Count...
0: Count Carl von like, He
1: like okay, he had yeah. a whole thing about changing his name so he sounds more
0: sophisticated. It's a whole thing. See that see that's an evil trait.
1: Um, so we don't know very much about his early life, other than he was born in eighteen seventy seven in Dresden, Germany, and that after receiving his medical education, he left for Australia, where during World War One he ended up in an internment camp. As a war prisoner, he wasn't allowed to stay in the country, so he was deported to Holland. But he did not really see a future in uh, post-war Europe, so he decided to emigrate to Florida, where his sister was already living. So together with his wife Doris and his two young daughters, he hopped on a boat and arrived to Zephyr Hills in Florida which uh, is where he dropped off his family and went to work as a radiology technician in the U.S. Marine Hospital in Key West, which is about 400 miles south of Zephyr Hills.
0: It's uh, because the, the way you phrase that sounds like he, he, he dropped them off and bounced. Yeah, like he immediately did. Immediately bounced. But he kind
1: of did, though. Anyway, so he, he was like, I don't want anything to do with y'all. And went to... to um, fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. <laughs> so he went to uh, Key West. So here's the thing, um, you know, on the outside, he appeared as a very like normal family man that was in search of a better life. But he was, to say the least, a little bit eccentric. Um, he had the story that he would tell everyone who would listen about these visions that he, fir- that he had first as a child and then as a young adult of one of his dead ancestors, Countess Anna Constancia von Kostel. In his visions, he would say, he would be revealed the face of his one true love, an elegant, beautiful young woman with dark features and dark hair. Uh (laughs) Unfortunately, that was not the face of his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. An L for Doris.
0: (laughs) Damn Doris.
1: I know, it sucks. Um,
0: I mean, this guy bounced anyway. Like he doesn't—he doesn't seem very reliable. They were—they were. They were inco- She's having visions like this, like left and right. Yeah. Of uh, like men's faces that are not her husband's. No,
1: she was very loyal. <laughs> she was very nice. I'll talk about her. Um, oh, it's coming up. Oh, interesting. Um, are, but do,
0: do we stand, Doris?
1: We stand. We stand. Justice for, so
0: for <laughs> Justice for
1: Doris. Justice for Doris. Um. Anyway. So, going back to their relationship, they were actually very, like, ill-suited for each other. I'm not really sure why they got married, because she was determined, she was practical. Like, as soon as they got to the US, she was like, okay, the daughters are gonna get um, adapted to the country, they're gonna start speaking English. Him, Carl, on the other side, was imaginative, um, but he was very practical, selfish, pretty narcissistic, he thought very highly of himself, he was a liar, and he was a little delusional um to tell the least in fact by the time they arrived to the u.s he was already mixing fact and fantasy in the memoirs he later wrote he described his arrival to the u.s as his odyssey in which he was Ulysses searching for his elena in reality though he was a husband with a family <laughs> hmm. as carl was shirking his responsibilities as a father and husband A Cuban-born woman by the name of Elena Milagro Hoyos Mesa in the same city was rising to fame as a performer while also trying to start a family with her new husband. Oh, God. Unfortunately, tragedy struck and she developed a cough which did not improve, which led to her ending up in the U.S. Marine Hospital, where Carl worked as a technician. Their first meeting happened when Carl was asked to take a blood sample for analysis. In his memoirs, he describes his reaction oh, to seeing no. her for the first time. No. And I quote I looked into a face of unearthly beauty, the face of my dreams and visions, the face of the bride which had been promised to me by my ancestor 40 years before.
0: <laughs> so this pretty. poor lady. <laughs> oh, no. This is it's, just like a lady.
1: I, yeah, it's just like, it's just like she's coming. Her husband was waiting in the waiting room for her, and she went in because she had this like really and he's bad like,
0: cough. Ah, it is my beloved. Ah, you have come to me at last.
1: <laughs> the fact that she was the the way he describes this is like she was promised to me by by my ancestor. It's meant to be. <laughs> like what the fuck. I know. <clears throat> what
0: the fuck? Okay. Um. Okay.
1: As soon as he laid his eyes on her, he became convinced that she was the woman in his visions and that them meeting indicated that they were meant to be. The fact that she had a husband did not matter to him, as he writes. What, after all, did it matter that she belonged to another? Hadn't I belonged to another years ago? By the way... years
0: ago? He's still married.
1: Right, so at this point, he's still... Very much belonged to his wife, who had moved to the US for him and who was dutifully taking care of their children. But upon meeting Elena, Carl turned off any and all responsibilities he had related to his wife and kids and focused on just getting her and marrying her.
0: Freak! This guy's like an insult, but he's married with kids.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is like, he's an which insult. in my mind has he's to an be worse, right? Because like. He has no excuse, even (laughs) like obviously insults have no excuse either. But like they at least pretend. Are you
1: justifying insults, babe? No, no, no,
0: not at all. They're all fucking idiots and crazy people (laughs) who should all be locked up and like taken care of. But this, but like they at least have like their own internal fucked up justification for what they do. Mm -hmm. This guy is just like my ancestor thirty years ago. I saw her. My visions, just like okay, maybe you go into loony bin. You know what I mean.
1: But anyway, going back to Elena, um, unfortunately, her husband soon left her, most likely due to her illness. She was getting sicker and sicker, and, you know, he was just not willing to... He was just not wanting to put up mm-hmm. with that, which only strengthened Carl's conviction that they were meant to be, and encouraged him to try to get close to her, which is... Uh, it's also really creepy that he masked it as a purely scientific interest in her illness and actually he he was really creepy about it too because he would
0: <laughs> obviously but like he's for the way you say that is like he's he's extra creepy on top of already doing a creepy thing he's creepily doing the creepy thing
1: no but he did like he would use his status um and the trust that she had in him to like convince her to let him stay in the x-ray room while she was taking her top off and like just <clears throat> we just kind of like hang around when she was in very vulnerable positions. What a gross dude. Yeah. However, he soon realized that she was indeed suffering from a very serious condition, which ended up being tuberculosis. And he knew that the hospital that he was working at was not equipped to treat um, he actually tried to send her to a tuberculosis institution abroad, where he knew people, and he, he even offered to pay for it. But her family didn't agree to do that. Uh, tried to.
0: Okay, okay. Okay.
1: Well, it's like this weird guy who like offers to pay for your daughter's expenses. Like, I think the family was a bit like, mm, like, why are you, why are you so interested? You know.
0: No, for sure. Like the dude's the dude's a creep and like a weird dude, but like. Feel well, like she's gonna die of tuberculosis. You know what I mean? Like at a certain, like at a certain point, it's just like, yeah. Do you accept creepy dude money or like risk your daughter die? It's just $5 like this is five dollars. This is a bad choice. Yeah,
1: but um, I, I also, just feel, yeah. I also read that they didn't really accept that she was very sick until very late. They uh, kind of did not. Um, maybe it was like denial. Maybe it was also just you know, ignorance Mm. about the disease, about how serious it is. Mm. So they didn't, maybe they could have taken it more seriously Mm. than they did. Um, But so they did not agree to her going to this institution. And then he even, um, he even tried to buy the electrical equipment necessary for the hospital. And then when that didn't work, he tried to build it himself. So he was very invested in getting this girl cured. Mm. So while he was building the machines, he also started working on a small plane that he just decided he would start building like right beh- behind the hospital. Um, and he would often take Elena to see it. And fantasize about how he would take the plane with Elena in it to space. Where the ultraviolet <laughs> rays would cure her of tuberculosis. Okay. And he would also fantasize about how they would together fly the plane to a South Sea island in Australia. On their honeymoon. Which she she was not really like particularly... Internet. up to that but he would just take her in the plane and tell her about all of these plans
0: can i also just say like uh, the fact that he wanted to fly the plane to space to space yeah uh i feel i feel like are, are creepy germans just like destined to end up in american aerospace like is that just a thing that always happens if you're a creepy german just go to america and nasa will hire you on the spot
1: yeah so he was I think you can see here a little bit of that narcissism because the plane didn't have wings. And at what time like at one point even Elena who did not have like a medical education or like she wasn't like in STEM, she wasn't a woman in STEM. She was like how are you going to take me to space with a plane with no wings? And he was like oh. like he got really upset about it.
0: Wait, like but what's the plane then?
1: Well, what's the plane so There's no built, wings?
0: It's just like a hut.
1: Yeah, he built like the cockpit of it. Um it it, a shed behind the hospital <laughs> just
0: like behold my plane. It will take you to space alone. There's
1: also pictures of it and the the wheels are like just comically large. It just it kinda looks like um I love this. it looks like a cannon. It's really weird looking. So the thing is for her She was a religious person and she still considered her marriage to her previous husband sacred even though he left her for another woman and they i don't think they were even technically divorced
0: um Mm. difficult to do that back then
1: yeah exactly so but despite being left she's still like well no i have a husband her family also at the same time began to be a bit distrustful of carl because you know it was like he was visiting all the time he was showering elena in gifts um, and he was also very condescending and arrogant in the, way that they, in the way that he would speak to them. So they were a bit like, hmm, don't really like this dude. Um, I don't
0: like this guy in his, in his plane. <laughs> his Here plane. comes
1: the plain guy again. And they were also against her remarrying at all for also religious reasons. But even if she was to remarry, they were insistent that she would remarry a Cuban guy, not a mm. white guy. But he continued sending her gifts and writing letters, detailing the plans that he had about their marriage and the honeymoon, and also all the preparations that he was doing (laughs) ahead of their uh coming marriage like this
0: this this dude has a shrine this dude had a shrine day one after they met just wait oh god um
1: but so he would he would write her letters about the silk dresses he was buying for her and the bridal gown and lingerie that he was (laughs) this guy's not buying (laughs) shit come on no he was buying her a lot of gifts actually
0: so he's okay
1: he was buying her stuff Mm. i will he
0: he is walking the walk He was walking
1: walking the walk. walk. And she, she, uh, of course, soon began avoiding seeing this guy, soon started missing appointments. Thank Um, God,
0: at long last.
1: But that led to her condition worsening. At the same time, Carl started having dreams um, of her walking around in rags. Lying in the mud, covered in blood and dirt, and also of him treating and caring for her, and you know, saving her, and he he wrote to her about it, <laughs> um, which Why? which Why? I know, right? It's so weird. I, I'm like cringing telling the story, but what she did, she did some she queen queen shit uh, is what she did. She sent her sister to the hospital to tell him to dream no more. <laughs>
0: I've had this amazing fucking dream. Just don't do that. Don't
1: dream anymore. Don't dream please. anymore, please. Just. Enough. <laughs> but he would continue visiting their house, showering her with gifts and insist on treating her at her house, which the family eventually did give into. Um Well, she was just getting really sick and it, at some point they could see it. And in his memoirs, and this is important.
0: Uh, of course he wrote memoirs.
1: He did. He did.
0: This, I mean, every narcissist needs to write their own memoir. Did he mm-hmm. write them himself? Yeah, he wrote Uh, Of course he did, yes.
1: Um, So in his memoirs, he also wrote something that's very important. It's going to make sense later. So after one of his shock treatments, she said, If I must die, all I can leave you is my body. For I am only a sick girl, so I can't marry you while I'm sick. But you will take care of my body once I am dead, won't you? Which he interpreted as a marriage proposal of sorts and took very seriously, as you are about to see. Here I want to say that... um, Can I
0: call the... Cop. Time police? Can I call the police and go back in time?
1: BRB inventing a time machine just to go back in time and yeah. like kick his ass. So one thing that I want to say here is like, obviously he wrote his own memoirs and a lot of the things that he says i don't trust oh. I don't trust none of, of the things not. like he's he lied. He lied he's all a, the time. he lied all the time he was a narcissist like even the things that he would talk he would say about like the plane and the you know the, ma- the treatments that he was doing like his contemporaries would be like, what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> um anyway, Elena eventually died and he had a lot of trouble accepting that she was gone um, and wrote in his memoirs, my heart with a greater force told me she is not dead. <laughs> -uh. (laughs) Nuh-uh. I think not.
0: Every law in the universe versus what I think. Well, I I think I would prefer my own thinking.
1: Please, please listen, because it's only going to get worse. Like, I'm telling you, I have this, like, feeling in my chest where it's like... oh.
0: This is a horror story in, like, a way that I didn't expect, because it's just just real. It's
1: just a weird guy.
0: Like, there's nothing if If you look up scary in the
1: dictionary it's just a picture of a guy
0: because when you said, okay, in preparation for this episode mm-hmm. when you said that like yeah we're gonna we're gonna read like you know scary stories s- of stories that are scary with like a medical twist, I didn't exp- and, like, so in my mind it was just like, okay, yeah, we're gonna have like <laughs> Potent- like, you know, based in fact, but, like, we're going to have a little horror story vibes.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, like, that's going to be the focus. You're just, like, straight doing an episode <laughs> on the creepiest dude in the world. Mm-hmm. And it works. It fits. I did not mm-hmm. expect this. This is so Are gross. you creeped out? I'm so creeped out.
1: Yeah. I have, like, there's certain bits in the story, and I have one coming up just now.
0: Okay. I'm so it's- excited. Give it to me.
1: It's so bad. Like I think as women, like there's something about Mm. there's something about like hearing about a weird guy like that that just gets you like right on the Mm. right on the because
0: we've all met like a guy.
1: We've all met a guy. We've all
0: met like a guy once upon a time (laughs) in life. You know, there's you've encountered like the guy. And it's scary sometimes.
1: Mm. So anyway, he would visit her grave daily. And he... Oh, okay, so she's buried. So she, she was buried, yeah. She was buried. She's, she's buried. He okay. paid for the funeral. He insisted to pay for everything. Mm-hmm. And this is also gonna be important after, actually. And he even schemed to move into what used to be her room in her parents' house and sleep in her bed, which, and I quote, still preserved the sweet scent of her hair. <laughs> Should we just the ex- end the episode? The like,
0: smells. <laughs> Yes, I know your daughter has just died. I would like to sleep in her bed every night and live in her room.
1: And where? I her hate underwear. you and,
0: your, and her entire family, but I would like to stay with you nonetheless for the exquisite scent of her hair. Oh, God. Okay, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Oh, yes.
1: I'm like sweating. <laughs> Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Soon, he decided that the grave Elena was buried in was not good enough for her. Mm-hmm. And he devised to build her a mausoleum and transfer her body himself into a better, stronger coffin. Is this,
0: this, The coffin and the mausoleum is, is just as plain again. Because <laughs> uh, I'm imagining like a rinky-dink, like a planks, like poorly, like, bolted together. No, the
1: coffin was good, actually. Oh, really? But the plane comes comes in later.
0: Wait, well, it does? For real? It
1: does, it does. Um, so he bribed the undertaker to allow him access to the cemetery and then uh, exhumed her body and then arranged with a mortician to give him full access to the morgue, where they took in Elena's coffin to transfer the body. And transferring it was a laborious process, as the old coffin's lining had become attached to Elena's face and body. But they cleaned all obvious signs of decay and placed it, um, placed the body in an incubator that Carl had prepared, where she would be suspended in a formaldehyde solution that he came up with to preserve her body. (laughs) After which they placed the incubator in a double casket and put it in the mausoleum. And he continued to visit the mausoleum daily for 18 months, bringing Elena gifts.
0: Every day. Every day
1: for 18 months, bringing her gifts, talking to her, laughing with her, even allegedly installing a phone in the mausoleum uh, so that he could call her when he could not come. That rarely happened. Also, I have a little question here because I did find this, but how did phones work? Because, like, she wouldn't pick up, obviously. Like, would he just stay on the line? Like, no, I, Who how, I, do you, I, how do phones work? How, do phone, how, how does phone work? And <laughs> who was phone? Who was phone? I right? have
0: no idea. So, I don't yeah, know. Okay, but, like, did he set up a phone or did he do, like, you know, like, two cans and a string, you know? Because, like, again, like, I have <laughs> Maybe no... Maybe it was two cans and I, a, on I a have, string. And then he was like, I've set up a phone. I talk to her daily. And it's just like, well, no, you're clearly not. Like, mm. have you built... Have you... Did you bring in, like, fucking... Bell. Alexander Graham Bell. Mm-hmm. Is, he's, he's on the other line. He's just like, yes, <laughs> I am Elena. He's <laughs> like prank calling.
1: Other scientists. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, this may or may not have happened. I've, I've read it, but you know. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, it would surprise me. This guy's building shit.
1: Maybe he was just on the line. Nobody was picking up and he was like, yeah, I'm talking to her. That's my girlfriend. She goes to another cemetery. <laughs> um, she goes to
0: another plane of existence.
1: Yeah. And... So he would talk to her, and like you could see that he's getting a little more into this idea that she is there.
0: He um, also (laughs) a little more into this idea. This guy's been like cuckoo bananas since Mm -hmm. the start.
1: And it would—it's like getting worse. He uh, would—he started seeing um, air quotes visions of a young veiled girl at the mausoleum door, hearing tapping whenever he would visit, and even hearing her singing from the coffin. And they had a little special song that she mentioned she liked before she died. And it's called La Boda Negra, or The Black Wedding, which is about a girl who died before she could marry her fiancé, who shattered her gravestone, took her skeleton home, married her, and laid with her forever. And he interpreted this as Elena asking him to take her home with him, just as in the song.
0: I have a question. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? <laughs> did she did she say this or did he make this up? Like, I mean, because I'm imagining him sort of like walking around, walking around town, like he's in he's he's in the middle of writing his memoirs, and then he hears this song, and he's like, ah, oh, oh, what a good idea! I should do that. And then he <clears> like <throat> makes this whole justification of like the whole thing. Or is this something she actually said? Because like the, it seems it seems too convenient mm-hmm. for his motives mm-hmm, for to sure. be true. Because like that's a very specific song, I would have to think.
1: I've read some... I've read a whole book about this, by the way. <laughs> about yeah, you this, went deep. Yeah. Um, I've read some um, mixed... Or like I found some mixed information about it. Some people are saying that she actually liked that song. But I'm, I'm finding other info saying that that song was actually inspired from their story and was written after her death. So I'm not really sure what the true yeah. true story is. Hmm. But it is definitely very convenient. It's a little sus.
0: Definitely creepy. So this sounds like something he'd write. Okay, so I can see where this is going, horribly mm-hmm. enough.
1: <laughs> so, okay, so he's, in his mind, he's like, she's asking me to take her home. Um, this, of course, was a serious undertaking. It was, of course, illegal, but also very difficult. But... You know he he had to do this and everything had to be perfect. He
0: has a goal in mind and he won't quit.
1: He won't quit. And as in the song, this was supposed to be their wedding night. So he took it very seriously. He got a new outfit. He got a new hat. (laughs) He had a dress.
0: Not not like because like I imagine you're like you know planning a heist. No no no. He's like wedding outfit.
1: That's his wedding night. He got a he got a wedding. He had a dress rehearsal. He, he went to the cemetery. He was like, okay, now I'm going to do this. I'm going to take her and I'm going to go to the...
0: Well, that's just a good practice, to be fair. Yeah. He's just going through the checklist. Because, I mean, this guy, he's prepared.
1: He's prepared. So anyway, he got his little sleigh outfit. He went to the cemetery in the middle of the night and loaded... Here, it's a bit unclear if he loaded the coffin or just her body in a little homemade... Uh, maybe not homemade, but it was like a toy wagon the children have
0: um no no but no, no, no 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 that's not true that's not true this is true. this is from a horror movie this is not a real thing no i mean
1: i'm telling real you real people a, don't it's so the story is so uncomfortable but it's so fucking hilarious like i'm so sorry i know i know there's parts <sighs> of the story that like are, like they're really horrible and they're real people we shouldn't be making fun of it but it's just so comedic
0: because because like this is because he's such a clown you could not make a movie of this because people would say it's unrealistic mm-hmm. you could not make a movie of this and be like based on a true story you'd be like no okay how true is it really you know what i mean like the the wagon from kid okay whatever you say Mm -hmm. but okay apparently this guy is dedicated to making every interaction ever the creepiest he can
1: yeah so he loaded the coffin in the wagon and then you know pulled it to the fence and then um time came for him to like put the coffin over the fence um but the ground collapsed from under him and the coffin fell on top of him squashing his new hat not only this but a foul smelling liquid started dripping from the coffin right onto the satin lapels of his wedding jacket. Mm. Which kinda of ruined kinda of ruined the moment there.
0: Yeah. Well, maybe you know, maybe that's a, maybe that's a sign, you know what? I feel Put like the this coffin is back divine intervention. <laughs> the ground collapsing. Come on, the ground just like the way it squashed don't.
1: his new hat too, just ruined his wedding suit. I can imagine him being so angry at that moment. Um, Anyway, you know, there's some more pit stops. Uh, He has to stop overnight and like do some things. But anyway, he finally managed to deposit the coffin and um, Elena's body in the cabin of the plane that he had built. So he took her all the way to the plane, which would become her residence for the time being. And once again, cleaned her body. To his uh, disappointment, he noted that her eyes had decomposed uh, and her lips had dried. So he put like glass eyes into her eye sockets. And he also dressed her in the wedding gown that he had prepared and draped her with the silk veil and placed a crown on her hair.
0: This is a corpse.
1: Yeah. He kissed her as if she was alive and laid with her until dawn. And all this time he was still living with his, with her parents. Um, by the way. But he would come every day. <laughs> That's to, crazy. I forgot I about know. that part. Yeah, sleeping in her bed and then coming in the Like he, her.
0: he'll come back home like 3 p.m. smelling like a corpse and just like,
1: yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Um, So he was living with her parents, but he would come every day to attend to Elena and change her bandages and wash her with soap um, and, you know, spray her with perfume, uh, wash and comb her hair. He soon discovered the small maggots around her hairline and um, ears and abdomen, which he treated with healing lotions and sterile packing, just as you would treat Life tissue.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So he also
1: he also bandaged her toes, feet, and fingers, which were starting to fall apart a little bit. And he, uh, he is, And this is so interesting. He took care to avoid corros- corrosives or aluminium, instead using solutions of a nourishing character, such as olive oil and glycerine. Over time, he started having to make like cosmetic alterations because her Mm -hmm. nose was also like kind of falling apart Mm -hmm. um so he used it's
0: a decomposing corpse it's yeah
1: i mean what are you gonna do jesus
0: christ holy shit um
1: so he put splints on her nose to keep it in place and then her arm had been placed across her abdomen when she was buried and it was like pretty stiff so he straightened it by um, tying it to a cord attached to a counterweight to her wrist, which applied tension to her arm until it straightened. So she, he had like a whole system of pulleys and levers around the house, just like keeping her in a
0: good position. This this dude loves building contraptions. He
1: loved contraptions. <laughs> if there's one thing he loved was contraptions. There's also a part that's coming up that's gonna be a little bit disturbing. So he administered. Uh, how
0: can it be more disturbing <laughs> than initially, like laid with her through the night? Like, um, there's nothing more disturbing than that. I feel like, but if you can top it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna squash my new hat. Like, good lord.
1: So he administered hot solutions to restore her intestinal tract and installed a tube in her vaginal area, which was wide enough to permit <sighs> uh, to permit penetration with. Uh, cotton at the bottom which um later autopsy investigation uh, discovered semen at the I mean, of course in the cotton of course of course it was awful lastly this
0: guy is like in hell like this guy is like he a new level of hell
1: mm. last thing is so that he became interested in producing death masks to remember her beauty because you know again she was kind of like falling apart a little bit yeah Um, But he ran into a problem here, so the oiled silk, which he used to protect her face from the plaster, became tightly attached to her face and hair, and he was forced to leave it on like the plaster. But he was not too displeased with the result, and he says, I left it so and painted over it with a thin solution of beeswax and balsam. Being transparent, her eyebrows showed through delightfully. He even decided to encase her entire body in the same way, which would also protect her from the flies and maggots, which were always finding their way to her.
0: I'm like actually a little nauseous.
1: I was feeling nauseous when I was writing this as well. I hope I'm not taking ri-
0: the way he's just writing about this like very casually, yeah. like almost proudly of his of his work. He was very
1: proud of it actually, and this is th- like I'm, I'm, I'm getting actually like a little sick. I'm I'm getting into this. Um, in the meantime, his daughter Crystal. Uh, remember the daughter? Oh, yeah, because he has with, kids. He has kids with a wife that he's still... Like, the wife is still waiting for him in the other city. Just being like, oh, my husband is working so hard at the hospital. <laughs>
0: he's working so hard at Key West. I wonder what does that do? <laughs> it
1: would be so nice <laughs> Meanwhile, he, he has, like, a
0: plane, pulleys, levers, a corpse, like, Jesus. Yeah.
1: Um, so, unfortunately, his daughter, Crystal, died of diphtheria. And Doris sent a pleading letter to him asking for emotional and financial support. Mm-hmm. And he just ignored her letters and did not attend the funeral of his daughter. Yeah, of course. Like, do you want to hate this guy even more? Here you go.
0: When faced with a choice, he will do the worst one.
1: (laughs) Worst choice for me, thank you. Soon enough, visiting Elena was not enough, and he moved with her into the plane cabin to to be with her all the time. He even installed himself a lab, complete with an x-ray machine and operating table, as well as an array of pump systems and chemicals fit for a
0: king. What why what, what's the, what's the operating table for,
1: <laughs> Carl?
0: <laughs> what's the operating um, table for?
1: So he who you're
0: gonna operate on.
1: Here's the thing: he was because he was still convinced that she's like alive, right? And he writes in his memoirs extensively about the treatments that he would put Elena's body through. He placed a lot of focus on uh, resurrection and revival of dried up cells. So he's like straight up working on bringing her back to life. Yeah. Um, He's like,
0: he's wanted to become like a necromancer, like (laughs) fully, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, So for example, he details mixing plasma solutions and constructing a circulatory system equipped with cooling and heating elements with the aim of introducing oxykinolone sulfate of sodium at a temperature of 37 degrees Celsius into her body. And by the way, I've looked into this solution because I was like, like, what is this? Is this some sort of like you know, saline thing to, like, plump her body up or something. The only thing I could find is that it's a medication used to restore vaginal pH. I don't, like, I don't really know what mm. the connection is between pumping that into a dead person's body. No. And, like, it's... It's weird. What it's used for today.
0: Maybe back then it was used for something else. Maybe. Weird. Anyway. Weird.
1: Um, But he would, like, you know, pump her full of that stuff and... He would occasionally take breaks where he would also treat her with high-voltage radiation. Um, and it's, it was unclear to me whether that was to continue her tuberculosis treatments that she underwent while she was alive mm. or to help with her like resurrection yeah. that he was doing. But this is not verified information that he was actually doing these high-voltage treatments uh, because and it's a little bit like... It's unreliable because this, he writes about this, but he was leaving. He put his plane on the beach and his electricity was unreliable. Um, and he didn't have access to like radioactive material unless he was like stealing it from the hospital. That is, so it's very likely that he was just lying about the whole thing. To be
0: fair, like I feel like this dude is not above stealing from the hospital.
1: Probably not. Also
0: like in the early 1900s, like... You,
1: you just, just open a... You just
0: open a, cabinet. a closet in a stair. Just like Uranium. Unlocked, ready for taking. Legitimately, Yes
1: yeah all in all i think it's obvious to you also that his treatments and behaviors really indicated that he was trying to like bring her back to life Mm -hmm. and he was fully convinced that he was on his way to do that he actually did write in his memoirs about visions that he started having about her getting out of bed talking to him and kissing him as time passed the actions of this reclusive and eccentric doctor started raising questions (laughs) in the village (laughs)
0: Finally. Finally. People are like, "Mm,
1: what's this guy doing?
0: Um, Why does he live in a plane?
1: He wasn't working at the hospital anymore. He got uh, fired. And he only went into town to collect his monthly checks, whose origin is also unclear. Wait, what? It's
0: like, he, well, wait, who's paying him? It's, for what? It's
1: it's unclear. Like, maybe they were from Germany. Maybe they were pension. Maybe they're... I, I really don't know. Like, people don't know where the checks were coming That's from. That's
0: crazy, though. That part, I'm actually, like, a little bit obsessed with that part. Yeah. Like, some other crazy like <laughs> doctor somewhere, like, in Germany is just like, yes, yeah, fun. I fund your research. <laughs>
1: Um, so, anyway, he was going to town to get his checks and to buy feminine clothes and jewelry and enormous amounts of perfume and soap. So, that was. Yeah, because it smelled. Old... It smelled. But, like, you could see how this is a bit like, mm, what is going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rumors also started circulating that Elena's body was no longer in the mausoleum. People were a bit like, mm, what happened to that girl that he was obsessed with? <laughs> And her family reacted to this by asking to open the coffin and, like, seeing the body. Yeah. Uh, Reasonable. Carl did not agree to opening the coffin. I don't know why he would, like, have any say in this, but he did not agree.
0: Oh, because he paid for it, probably. Because
1: he paid for the funeral, of course. Yeah. Oh!
0: Right. So he, owned, he owns the plot, probably.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Some, some shit you can do? Some, like, some weird, weird crazy. legal... Okay, ah. but, like, it's their family member. Anyway, yeah. it doesn't matter. He did not agree to opening the coffin... But here's what he did. He suggested to privately show the sister called Nana no, no. how beautiful her sister looked and took her to his house uh, where Elena was lying on the bed. Nana was horrified by what she saw and asked him to put Elena's body back in the crypt, but he refused. So she did what any you know uh, sane person would do and alerted the authorities, who came and confiscated Elena's body and placed Carl in custody.
0: Holy shit what like holy shit
1: <laughs> i love what, I,
0: what a twit like
1: i know i'm so obsessed with how with how he was like i'm not gonna open the coffin but come to my house i'll show you the she had been dead for seven years <laughs> at this point she's in my house just yeah, come she's, here
0: she's, she's, pretty. she's on my bed uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Like like laying there in the wedding dress fucking like i'm
0: jesus fucking christ
1: Anyway, so he got um, he got placed in custody, and the case attracted a lot of media attention, publicity. Of course, it's like a you know it's a yeah. it's a freak show.
0: Yeah, this is a scandal of highest proportions. Um, this would be this would be like mainstream news now.
1: Yeah, um, he also attracted a lot of public sympathy with <laughs> with what <laughs> from who? Other freaks.
0: The freak community is really showing up no, for Carl. No, people
1: loved it. People would show up and visit him and bring him gifts and, you know, tell tell him. Women thought he was so romantic.
0: <laughs>
1: like women thought he was romantic and like they thought it was like a really beautiful love story that, you know, he was taking care of her body and he was so in love with her after all this time. And men, here's the kicker. Men were sympathetic to his case, not so much the romantic thing, but they would make jokes about how at least Elena did not make him mow the lawn or care if he came home at dawn. <laughs> oh
0: my fucking god, I'm going to... Jesus fucking Christ. What the fuck? So they
1: were like, yeah, what's wrong with that?
0: What the fuck? I'm, I'm legitimately like a little nauseous. Like outside of the podcast space, like I'm...
1: Finally, the time came for the count to face court.
0: Oh, the fact that he's a count.
1: Yeah. Uh, well... <laughs> Let's see, is that that a lie too, Carl?
0: Fuck, might be. Is he even German?
1: (laughs) When being questioned, Carl was honest about taking Elena's body back to his house, though his delusions did shine through, specifically his interpretation of their relationship, referring to her as his bride, even though they never married, um, as well as insisting that he resurrected her. Throughout the hearing, he insisted that the body still contained life and that the dead body is simply asleep and can be resurrected by special methods such as incubation. He was also convinced that Elena could not see, but could still hear, which is why he had placed her close to his organ, uh, the piano type. I just want to...
0: I appreciate the want. I
1: caught that in time. It's the... He built a mm-hmm. homemade organ. Piano. Of course he
0: did, because he, he loves contraptions. Mm-hmm. It's one um, of the most contraptiony fucking instruments, so why not? This man's a professional doohickey creator.
1: (laughs) God, I wish that was a job title. I would love to be a professional doohickey creator.
0: Yeah, because... One, it is the most contraption instrument in the world. Second of all, it's also, like, one of the most evil instruments in the world. (laughs) Like That's so true. He's a count. He's obsessed with, like, resurrection. Like, Mm -hmm. is is, is this actually, like... Like, Count Dracula? Like, what's... Is he sitting in this fucking plane, just like, like, like having a whole thing? Like he's fucking uh, Davy Jones from Pirates of the Caribbean? So he, he would play
1: music for her. He was convinced that, that she could hear him. Hearing this, the judge ordered for Carl to return for psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> and to be... <laughs> <and to> be <laughs> uh, You're
0: you crazy. <laughs>
1: uh, security. Um, and to be held under bail until then um and Elena's body on the other hand would be displayed at the Dean Lopez funeral home where she was viewed by up to uh, 6800 people for mm. the price of $1 yeah
0: cuz um, there's no dignity for the dead in this No
1: time. but like I I read that this was kind of common like they would display dead people as a way to bring in business for funeral homes
0: yeah. very unrelated uh people 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 like also when like things are news related like back in those days like people would also just like oh this is like famous person who died or like a or like a a death that is famous like a famous corpse basically they would tour them around the country sometimes abraham lincoln uh had a transparent coffin around the head so that when he died they toured abraham lincoln's corpse all around the u.s for how long for like a year what so everyone could see uh so everyone just the
1: various stages of decomposition yeah pretty much cool yeah Yeah. so uh what stage did you get oh i got the the rigor mortis stage, how about oh, That's I, nice. I got
0: that full decomposition. Full decomposition.
1: <laughs> um, anyway, so Carl was psychiatrically evaluated and classed as, and I quote, the borderline state characterized by certain obsessions, but on the whole sane. Yeah, sure, it's a little weird, but he's he's sane.
0: And he's got beepity. Who doesn't?
1: Um, I think borderline used to mean something else.
0: I think it had, must had to, right? I think
1: they just meant he was a little weird, but not weird enough to be classified as like a lunatic. But he was charged with disfigurement of a burial vault and removal of a body without authorization. Um, and he was also informed that he would not be allowed to see Elena and that she would not be returned to him. Oh, thank God. Which he was highly shocked by, insisting that her father gave her to him. Untrue. And that because he paid for the funeral, the caskets, and the mausoleum, she belonged to him. This part, oh, oh, uh-huh. this part, this part got to me. Yeah. What do you mean belong to you? Mm-hmm. I will kill you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to put that in mind. <laughs> again. Kill yourself. Time girl. machine, time machine for me to go back in time and kick the, kick this guy's ass.
0: I'm very very happy to hear that he wasn't allowed to see her again. Yeah. And that she wouldn't be returned to him. Because, Mm -hmm. like, in this time, you never know.
1: Mm -hmm. He also became upset because, according to him, if Elena's body would be taken away from him, then he would be breaking this uh, sacred promise to take care of her, if you remember uh you know he wrote to his memoirs she was like if i die the only thing i can give you is my body which we still don't know if that's true but for him there was this was like you know i made her promise like it's probably she made like some weird comment to get rid of him and he completely like took that and ran with it Mm -hmm. um but he was really upset that he wouldn't get her body back His shock was reflected by the public who again considered this whole thing very romantic and also by members of the medical and the scientific community who wrote letters of support making the argument that preserving this body for seven years was a proof of his scientific abilities and that perhaps this was a step towards improved knowledge of aging and death and maybe even um, restoring people to life. So they were like, yeah, it's a little unorthodox, but most great scientists haven't been understood. Like, he he did such cool things.
0: I feel like people don't respect women.
1: (laughs) I think so, too. This is the episode of realizing things.
0: Patriarchy, huh?
1: (laughs) Patriarchy, huh? I mean,
0: like, we all know patriarchy, right? But, like, when this happens, it's just like, yeah, you know, steal this lady. Experiment on her corpse. It's fine. Like, 100 years ago, the scientific community is, like, actively promoting, like, grave robbery and, like, complete disrespect of women. Don't let women's bodies rest. Like, Mm -hmm. no respect, even in death.
1: Fucking disgusting. uh, And And we know that,
0: but, like, it's fucked up to be reminded about. And also the wishes
1: of her family, who was still alive, who were all very much, like, you know, that's our family member. We should have some sort of say in this. And they were just completely, like, not (laughs) taken into account at all.
0: Yeah. This, This is just a dude. This is just a guy,
1: mm-hmm. like a they stranger. Weren't even, yeah, he had no like con- legal connection to no. her. Fucked up. Carl was eventually released from jail after his bond was posted by two citizens, um, two people we don't really know who they were, but mm. somebody paid for him to get out. He was also not convicted of destroying the grave due to the statute, statute of limitations, which at the time was two years. And that he broke into the grave like seven years prior. As far as the unauthorized disinterring of a body charge... The judge decided to drop everything and simply ordered that Elena's body be buried in a secret place so that the count could not come and dig her up again. <laughs> Here's a, a thing that I'm not like particularly happy with. Those entrusted with her burial decided to dismember her and place her body parts in an 18-inch square casket and swore to each other to never reveal the location of the burial, which, very good, but why do you have to, like, chop her up? Like
0: They do that. They uh, do that? Uh, it's because, uh, like... Um... I don't know it's too many details about this thing, but, like, whenever they do sort of, like, burying people at secret locations specifically for this reason, mm-hmm. they, they do kind of chop them up a little bit.
1: <laughs> a little bit. But just
0: because it's, e- it's, it's, it's easier to bury them. And the, the whole point of it is that, like, no one's going to know where it is. Like, so you want to leave as, like, little of a pr- like imprint as possible on where you're doing it. If you're, like, doing a whole, like, casket, for example, that's a lot easier to find than a sort of, like, a box. Mm-hmm. where you sort of squeeze everything into um and I don't no know. one's going to be there to respect the body like no one's going to be there to like no no one's going to be there to pay respect. like ever I just ever. feel like the it's whole an, thing is about it's and an also making it dis-
1: disrespect you know
0: yeah but it's also to help it decompose faster i think or like to, to help it like be like absorbed by the ground and shit. cuz the point of it is to sort of like just like, <laughs> like get rid of it
1: <laughs> be gone I mean I guess I should be happy they didn't like bury her loose or something, at least they put her in a box.
0: Mm. No, because like they do this occasionally with like Yeah, with like well like with like, like criminals, like, I guess. Very like extreme criminals, yeah. for example. People who they don't want people to, coming like, find to the grave and,
1: and
0: desecrate, yeah. desecrate or just even just pay respects to it. A mm. lot of Nazis, for example, are also buried oh, at secret locations so right. that neo Nazis don't come and like it make it into like a
1: like a, a
0: pilgrimage site. <laughs> no, that's a that's a real term. Hmm. Fucked up. Hate this guy. Time machine? Kill him.
1: <laughs> beat his ass.
0: Beat his ass. Second he is on his way to Key West, beat his ass.
1: Pull Doris to the side and be like, honey, honey, sweetie, take the
0: kids. It's, th- this is not going to work out very well. Like, take the Go kids, back to Germany. Go back to Germany. No, don't go back to Germany. <laughs> like Germany is about to have a bad time twice. Stay here. Just but not like, Florida. Just go somewhere else. Go to like Maryland or something like that. Have you heard of this thing called lesbianism?
1: <laughs> Doris is a very lesbian eh? I feel.
0: And if she's coming from Germany at this time. What does that mean? Germ- Germany uh, around German that time when... women
1: named Doris. Known to lesbians.
0: Yes. No, but like uh, Germany during this time. Uh, very pro-gay. Pro-LGBT. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, high points of the gay world. And then two wars happened.
1: Okay. So- so going back to the story the count when he was released uh he realized all his sources of income were gone he had no money um but in fortunately for him people were really on his side about this whole thing and he made a bit of money by charging people um a quarter to let them see the inside of the plane like he would give them a tour <clears throat> here's the bed where i like performed necrophilia i guess but he people soon- like oh <laughs> Click, click click with the phone uh, camera um but he soon became worried to the public opinion my turn and he decided to move in order to be able to write his memoirs he chose to move back to zephyr hills where his sister still lived um his wife and daughter also still lived in that town that did not seem to bother him at all He completely deleted the importance of their existence from his mind. Before he left though, he placed a bomb in what used to be Elena's mausoleum. uh, And he also took the bomb to the cemetery using the same type of uh, children's, um, what's it
0: called? (laughs) What is that? Wait, what is that called? Like the wagon? Yeah, like a children's wagon. He took the bomb. Like okay, you can't just like sneak that into the end. Also, he made a bomb and <laughs> like he destroyed the mausoleum. Anyway, he did it. Wait, he blew it up. He
1: blew it up. Yeah, and, and and also he had a dress rehearsal for that one too. He was very like I don't know, like sassy. He was mm. very like you know, like a little.
0: I've had enough of this place. Time to take my children's like <laughs> like little, like, little, little trolley
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: and blow up the place. Blow up this place. Back to Sephora Hills.
1: Back to yeah um
0: this guy's this guy's like the most crazy person i've ever met (laughs) uh, i've ever heard of in my entire life
1: he's so evil and so like comical it's it's i'm so blown away by this guy but but
0: that's what i'm saying this guy's like a comic book villain like he's not real he's unrealistically (laughs) fucked up weird
1: scientists be like that sometimes he Uh. was really like a crazy scientist type
0: i don't know I, i don't know dr frankenstein was not this crazy you know what He's I mean? Like like the stereotypical crazy scientist mm. is not even near this guy's mm. level. Um,
1: yes. Okay. So he blew up the mausoleum and then he moved to his sister's place where he um, uh, he soon realized he wasn't used to living with the living and uh, moved back into his plane that he took with him also, <laughs> which he still fantasized about completing. Uh, planes still didn't have wings, yeah. but he took it all the way 400 miles north. Uh, still had it.
0: It's been like also 10 years. At yeah, this that, point since he started of building is this thing like fucking plane
1: rusting. like rusting, it's that shit's not flying.
0: That's just not flying, but also like it's been a while since the freaking Wright brothers made a plane. Like at this point like there are planes like flying around <sighs> everywhere like planes mm-hmm. you can you can buy one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why do you need to build one?
1: I don't know. He just had a thing about planes. Yeah. So he moved into the plane and he wrote his memoirs and painted watercolors of elena and of important events in their lives uh, such as him taking the coffin from the mausoleum their first christmas together and also um renditions of his fantasy of them flying together to space he also tried to get the memoirs published but didn't get any bites nobody wanted to publish oh well, thank god from him he moved to a little house of his own where he built another shrine to elena consisting of a coffin and some of her death masks Pictures of her and memorabilia, such as her rosary, which he would routinely invite people to see. He would—he just wanted to like, like, that's crazy to me. He also like brought his pe- like people in his house to be like, this is my weird freak shrine. Come see it. This is the girl that I stole from the, anyway. Um, no, yeah,
0: that's fucked up. <laughs> and yeah, he's proud of it
1: he's proud of it and the people because i guess he still did not think he did anything wrong yeah. that's his whole thing he thought he was innocent and misunderstood mm. and the people in the town felt sorry for him but they felt even more sorry for his wife and his daughter who were now marked forever and were known not as just like neighbors but the wife and the daughter of the you know who who did you know what uh-huh. with the cuban girl But despite Carl's actions and the effects they had on her life, Doris actually showed incredible kindness to him. And at the end of his life, when Carl became completely destitute, she would support him financially. The two of them would meet weekly at the same park bench, where they would talk for a bit, and then she would give him $2.50 from her weekly salary of $15.00. Um Which he would use to buy himself sardines and a few other groceries that would uh, keep him from starving to death sometime in July of nineteen fifty, His neighbors noticed that he had not been uh, seen searching for wild flowers to put on the shrine and checked not his a regular
0: occurrence. yeah like they like they just like, where's the
1: it? where's the flower guy? and checked his house where his body was found in a badly decomposing state next to Elena's coffin. Um, He was buried in Zephyr Hills Cemetery together with his daughter Crystal at his feet, all expenses covered by Doris, by the way, who would also be laid to rest by his side 27 years later. And that is the story of the weirdest man who's ever lived. How are you feeling? Nauseous. Do you want a glass of water?
0: (laughs) I feel bad. Oh, I don't like this.
1: Poor, poor Doris. Like, I, for yeah. After everything that she's been through,
0: and she was probably yeah. Like why? Oh. I mean, I probably because you can't you can't get divorced. No, no fault divorce doesn't, like, doesn't fucking exist. But I mean, she
1: did not have to give him money. She did not have to be like so kind to him at the end of.
0: Yeah, this lady's a saint.
1: Yeah, and I don't. I I kind of like I was thinking about this earlier. I was like, I don't really want to call her a saint because that this isn't like a something to aim for. Yeah, you know we yeah, shouldn't be yeah, encouraging yeah. women to like. That's true. You That's know, true. aspire to this kind of sainthood. That's, That's true. You know, maybe she was just a very kind person, but this is... This is too much. Girl, like, if this L- was me... Land
0: rock. Start die.
1: Like, he ruined her life. The way that he did not show up to their daughter's funeral, did not answer to her letters, just kills me. Yeah,
0: I, I have to imagine that, like, the fact that there was, like, public support for him must have played a part to the point where like maybe she was guilted Mm. into it maybe a lot of people were like mm. sympathizing with him and they were like we gotta help him out Mm. like what are you a monster and she's like
1: he didn't help her though even though like as a man i guess you know at that time like that was kind of you were supposed to help your wife like if you weren't they weren't even divorced he could have sent her money he didn't the, but but that's the
0: up thing about patriarchy, though, right? Like, men are, men are expected to be the provider, but they don't have to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People are just fine with them mm-hmm. not being. Whereas mm-hmm. women, like, it, learning if, you ask, if you ask your husband to be at your daughter's funeral, that's apparently naggy.
1: <laughs> We're learning a lot of things about misogyny in this episode, <sighs>
0: apparently. Well, I mean, we all know this. Like, I don't want to make it seem like we don't know this already. Yeah. Or like, especially me don't notice, you know, it's like, I guess I, of course we I mean, know. Mm-hmm. It's just fucked up to be reminded of it, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, it's just a h- harsh reminder of like...
1: <sighs> what was your favorite part of the story? No,
0: nothing. The, the beginning <laughs> when I didn't know.
1: <laughs> right <laughs> before we started recording the episode. I had hope. My favorite part was when his hat got squashed.
0: <laughs> that was kind of funny.
1: I, yeah.
0: My, okay, my favorite part was the children's um The wagon. wagon. Well, mm-hmm little I mean, cuz like that's because i'm imagining like a ti- like this big it was small and, but because i'm imagining like 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 okay, you can't see it you can't see it in the podcast obviously but like unless you're a patron in which like, case
1: you can see the video version of this episode do support us on patreon well, for okay. extra rewards and yes I'm,
0: yeah, I'm imagining like an arm like a half arm length thing with like tiny little wheels like firehouse red
1: mm-hmm.
0: with like a big con- like a very contraptiony bomb like a cartoony bomb
1: he used wi- dynamite wires
0: and sh- okay well
1: so no, I mean, he, but like dynamite is a very cartoony type it of is bomb, kinda, isn't it? it? Is, yeah. You got a big red stick. You stick it in the, yeah, door. the mausoleum, and then you know he takes like a few steps back and just come, like he puts his fingers in his ears.
0: <laughs> he hides time behind. To go to Cifer Hills? <laughs> is that not a crime to blow up the mausoleum? Like, is people are people are just like, ah, oh, well, they're well, romantic bu- again? Yeah,
1: he built it, so you know he gets to blow it up.
0: That's dumb. Yes. I hate this man. Time machine. Kill him. When? Anyway, thank you for the story, it was very good. For the
1: purposes of this uh, podcast, we would simply uh, beat his ass and have a strong word with him. Nobody's killing anybody. No, I'm killing him. (laughs) Oh, your candles are...
0: They're going out. How ominous. Um, Right before we go into discussing... The Ancient Curse. I'm not gonna do nothing. Okay, come on. It's not gonna work, fuck it. I am presenting my um, ancient scroll. <laughs> Hold on.
1: Huawei T11 Pro.
0: <laughs> I'm just unfurling my, my scroll of the curse. Um, very good, thank you for your story. So you had a very good story, entirely based in fact uh which I which I do appreciate very good
1: well you know some of his mem- like like as i said like his memoirs yeah. mm, it's a little grain of salt moment but there, let's
0: but. say <clears throat> historically plausible yeah. like like or like like the story is what it is uh in the same vein i'm going to tell a story also that what the story is but i'll i'll do some more clarifications at around at the end because there's uh, uh, for those of you who are listening um there's a little bit of a difference between fact and fiction in my story, and I also read mine a bit more. Uh, let's see, more spookily, maybe like a like a, maybe a little spookily, just because it's it's based on a little spooky thing.
1: I tried it so hard to be spooky, and then like as soon as we got to like, oh, then you it's, know, like the hat, uh, no, like the hat and the you know the doing the dress rehearsal, I was like, no way, <laughs> <laughs> no way, I can stay serious <laughs> for all this.
0: Well, okay, how about this? I think that your story was very.
1: It was uncomfortable more than spooky. Your
0: story is a thriller, Mm -hmm. like a horror thriller, whereas I think my story coming up is a bit more of like a classic Halloween movie, Mm. you know, like less, less, uh, less creepy and uncomfortable, but still like, your little goofs and spooks and ghouls and things like that. Mm -hmm. Not really ghouls, but in fact, mummies, Mm -hmm. because I would like to tell you a story if you don't mind me starting... I would like to tell you a story about an ancient curse and the ones who released it. You want the historic angle? I have thousands of years of it. Unfortunately, I did apparently drop the ball with the medical angle, but I do have a little bit about that. you Not got the entirely. history, so... Uh, yeah, but still. <laughs> you have formaldehyde, but that's more. You have a doctor. <laughs> well, we are, of course, talking about mummies and the curse that is known by many names. The mummy's curse, for example, very basic or the curse of the pharaohs. Quick background. The history of the pharaohs is one of immense power, as they ruled over ancient Egypt with divine authority over 4,000 years ago. To ensure their continued sovereignty in the afterlife, pharaohs orchestrated grand burials filled with treasures, servants, and intricate spells to serve them in death as it had in life.
1: The ancient Egyptians believed that the most important thing (laughs) The, the the most what was it
0: significant thing the you most, can do in no, life? No, 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 let me say, it, let okay. me say. It.
1: The ancient Egyptians <laughs> believed that the most significant thing you can do in life is die. Did
0: you read my script? No, because that's the next really? sentence.
1: <laughs> no, I just I I love Crunk on Earth.
0: I know it's so good, but like that's that's legitimately so the sorry. next part of the script. No, it's really funny. It just it's so good that you said that because like I had the exact same thought. I thought it was yeah. fun. These impressive tombs are still around today. The Great Pyramids of Giza, for example, serve as examples of their absolute power. And some are protected with ancient curses to ward off the greedy outsider. These curses protect the dead from any who would disturb the mummy's rest. How? You ask? Anyone, thief or explorer, who breaks into the tomb will cause all who enter to suffer from ominous omens, bad luck, illness. You can't shake. And then death.
1: Ooh. Ooh.
0: I, do have, I do have a lot of like pause for effect. I, I, nice I did almost consider sort of like thunder noise.
1: I can add if you want. <laughs> I'm so good at adding thunder effects in post.
0: It's, we love editing. In our story, we find ourselves in the desolate heart of arid Egypt, the sands of which contain ancient secrets that have haunted the living and the dead. It was November 1922. A British archaeology team was scouring the Valley of the Kings, an area near Luxor, Egypt. That's prime real estate for explorers and archaeologists. They were looking for hidden tombs and treasures, and they were coming up short. This team was led by the men Lord George Carnarvon, I could not tell you how to properly pronounce that name. I tried looking it up. It's a weird British. British. It's a Carnarvon. And Howard Carter. Thank you for having a normal name. Lord Carnarvon was a bit of an eccentric rich person. In his youth, he had been a race car driver. But now he funded expeditions in Egypt to gather artifacts for his own personal collection. And just for fun.
1: This is the richest thing I've ever heard.
0: I, I will also say that at this time, it was quite a popular fad to be interested in ancient Egypt and mummies and what things was like this? that. This was in 1922. Specifically, mm. this, this right now, our story takes place in 1922. But in the previous decades, there had been something called mummy mania, mm. in which uh, the Victorians, for example, were obsessed with ancient Egypt and mummies and things like that. And he's sort of like the end of this. This fad is like dying down. It's basically dead at this point. But he is into it, he likes it. He likes to fuck around there. And he's, he's a tourist frequently in Egypt. Um, and he would, often, he would often vacation in Egypt. Uh, because until extraordinarily recently, in 1922, uh, it had been British Egypt. But now Egypt had just become independent. Uh, still a good place to hang out for a vacation, though, for him. But as I said... Waste time and money. To waste time and money in Luxor, Egypt. <laughs> but the craze, as I said, was dying down. And most tombs had been fully explored and looted. And even the ones that you could find, sometimes they were mostly empty anyway because of grave robbers, both recent and like in the ancient world as well. There was also the fact that we had recently had a world war, which had delayed a lot of his current expeditionary ventures. He had not been able to do as much archaeology funding as he had hoped to do. Very inconvenient. Very inconvenient with the world war. (laughs) Um, he couldn't get his artifacts to a first collection but he was tired he
1: couldn't go and rob graves
0: (laughs) but with all of these hinders and the fact that the expedition is coming up short he had resigned himself to the fact that maybe he would never find anything else again and he said that this would be the last year he funded an expedition little did he know how right he was. But what about- But what about Howard Carter? Now he was a real archaeologist who was hired by Lord Carnarvon to search for tombs and artifacts in the Valley of Kings where they were. But he hadn't amounted to much and even when he did find significant archaeological finds, he had never been properly recognised for that. He had been unemployed before being hired by Lord Carnarvon for quite a long time. But now, he, was, he had a gig, he had an opportunity. <laughs> this was a man in need of a win, and who right now wasn't getting anywhere. He would dig and dig, with his only solace being his pet canary. Or, or if rumors are to be believed, Lord Carnarvon's daughter. Um, Wait, he
1: he he dug with a canary. What does the daughter have to do with it? What do you mean? <laughs> what does the daughter have to do with it?
0: Like he he's he's fucking the daughter.
1: Oh, he had the a so, canary. The solace
0: is it's is, the
1: canary and the daughter. Okay, yes, but okay. mm-hmm.
0: also the canary. Like he's not digging with the canary. You know what I mean? Like he's not. It's not a shovel. Does it's, the canary it's a pet. have
1: a little tiny shovel? No,
0: it's, a, just, a <laughs> it's just a pet. It's just a pet. Pet bird.
1: Him, the canary, and the daughter are all digging together.
0: <laughs> just like. Gotta find the artifact, huh?
1: Putting both of them to work. <laughs> She's like, "Please, sir, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm tired."
0: Find get, the artifact. I need more pots. Get- we need to find a tomb right now. I need to win. I will also say, speaking of this, like there, um, there there, there were so many rumors around uh, like uh, Howard Carter's like rom- romance. Mm-hmm. for some reason like people were gossiping people were gossiping because like maybe he's involved with lord Carnarvon's daughter maybe maybe, he, maybe <laughs> he has like a lover in egypt maybe he's gay maybe like there, the canary there's so many weird <laughs> things like everyone's <laughs> speculating about his sexuality and i can't actually figure out why no one no one else is having their like sexual identity speculated about but this guy is just like
1: i mean maybe the other ones fucking? maybe the other ones did not have a lot of didn't leave a lot of room for speculation. Uh, Maybe,
0: it's it's quite possible.
1: Like some people you just see and you're like, "Mm, you're not straight.
0: (laughs) And then, in this fruitless digging, legends say that a young boy who was just there to serve water for the team was digging outside of the assigned work area when he found a step. That step was the start of a stair that led to a passage, the passage of which led to a giant limestone slab blocking a doorway arch and on that door it was inscribed in a cartouche that this was the tomb of tutankhamun
1: what is cartouche
0: a cartouche is a um, it's, it's a type of uh, oval writing used in ancient egypt okay it's a, it's a type of egyptian writing kind of okay. it's not it's not a hieroglyph necessarily but it's kind of similar and I'm sure that you and everyone listening have heard the legend of what else was written on that cartouche.
1: you probably leave the door alone, turn back, don't come in here, you will die.
0: Death will come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king.
1: A bit more poetic, but I get like the, the gist is there.
0: Uh, there's a lot of versions of, of of there's a lot of versions of this that that claim it's uh, you know abandon all hope ye who enter here. Mm-hmm. But um, the original text, as said uh, in the story, is that what I just said. Mm-hmm. That will come on swift wings. Now Tutankhamun, we all we've heard of Tutankhamun, one of the most famous uh, pharaohs, uh, hate- colloquially known as King Tut. I Um,
1: love him we mentioned this in a previous episode can I just do a little mm -hmm. shout out to King Tut everybody knows he was extraordinarily inbred and he had um, he had a limp um, so he a club foot Mm -hmm. yeah so he limped and like he kind of waddled and his favorite animal was a a duck Mm -hmm. because they walked like him and when he was a kid he had a lot of like duckling um, like figurines and toys
0: yeah
1: Ah! Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) crying screaming crying up
0: Mm -hmm. (sighs) Mm-hmm. I know, so, and as said, we 've mentioned him previously in the, in this podcast, and he is one he is one of, if not the most famous pharaoh of all the pharaohs, which of which there are quite many, because Tutankhamun was a pharaoh of the eighteenth dynasty of egypt there's been a lot of dynasties of egypt from thirteen hundred and twenty three years b c e so over three thousand years ago. noted the Egyptian Ancient Egypt, and like other pharaohs, have existed for over a thousand years already. So at, like, at this time, the pyramids of Giza are already over a thousand years old to Tutankhamun. Just to get the scale of time here, how long this has been here. And while there had been a lot of artifacts from pharaoh tombs in circulation on the black market, due to mummy mania, as we mentioned earlier, there were very few, precious few, that even mentioned Tutankhamun. And the archaeologists know this, they think that they may have struck gold here. In fact, they had just discovered what would become the most significant historical find in the world at the time. Howard Carter described the event as follows. With trembling hands, I made a tiny breach in the upper left-hand corner of the door. Darkness and blank space as far as an iron testing rod could reach showed that whatever lie beyond was empty and not filled like the passage we had just cleared. Candle tests were applied as a precaution against possible foul gases, and then, widening the hole a little, I inserted the candle and peered in. Lord Carnarvon standing anxiously beside me to hear the verdict. At first I could see nothing, the hot air escaping from the chamber, causing the candle flame to flicker. But presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room within emerged slowly from the mist, strange animals statues and gold mm. everywhere the I'm, glint of gold
1: i love how they just completely ignored the warning like i mean maybe you know maybe this wasn't written down but like today do you think they even like gave it a trace of a thought like hey this thing that it says on the door like you guys sure you want to go in Like, is this, should we think about this for a little bit before we walk inside this tomb?
0: So, because I will clarify some sort of like fact and fiction things later in the episode, Uh, I will say, no, 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 I will say this, I will say this, I will say this, I will choose my words carefully. (laughs) There had been, there has been plenty of tombs in ancient Egypt that have a lot of curses connected to them. And there was an attitude among uh, Egyptologists and archaeologists that is all bunk. Like, mm-hmm. they, don't, none of, they don't really believe it. Like, no, no one really believes the curses. It's, I it's would very sort of accepted, especially Howard Carter, the main archaeologist There, He is, he's like, no, he doesn't believe shit.
1: I would believe it. Girl, if I see that on the door, y- you best believe I'm out of there. Like, I'm not opening that door and going in. <laughs> and this is why in a horror movie, I would be alive. I would that, be lost mm-hmm. standing.
0: <laughs> what, speaking of horror movie tropes, you'll, you'll enjoy what happens next. What was supposed to happen next was that they should have contacted the Egyptian Department of Antiquities, who would supervise and be witness to the entering of the tomb. There has to be multiple people connected to sort of like make sure that everything's done the way it's supposed to happen and that no, you know, cultural significance being like disrespected and things like that. That is what is supposed to happen. But reliable sources say that Carter, Lord Carnarvon, and the Lord's wife, Lady Evelyn, didn't want to wait, and instead that night chose to enter the tomb unauthorized,
1: mm.
0: being the first people in over 3,000 years to set foot inside the tomb, and maybe even the inner chamber, mm. if some sources are to be believed that there was a gap in the door into the next chamber after the one they had just entered. That would be the place of the sarcophagus, and Tutankhamun's final resting place.
1: No, okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> Even if you don't believe in the curse, mm-hmm. there's something about entering a damp, dank, dark room that nobody has gone into in three thousand years that harbors a mummy mm-hmm. that should really like put you off. Mm-hmm. Like I don't really understand how these people would just be like, yeah, let's go into the tomb. No mm. one at night. Let's open it up. Go inside the mummies that there's a dead body. let's go and look at it.
0: I will also say this like in the descriptions of this uh, of the chamber that they entered. Um, first of all, gold, literally everywhere. don't care The like, wall- walls in are glittering gold, but the next door over, the one that they may have passed through, has had two statues facing it, or like facing out, that are guarding the door. Um, how is
1: that supposed to make it better that is so much worse <laughs>
0: but that's what i mean like you have to, there are so many there's so many of, like, levels, red flags right of like preemptive not, like features like don't get in here like, you're big, not supposed to yeah, do that yeah and, and yeah. they're just
1: going like and the fact that they're going in the two of them without even going with the like experts maybe the experts like because if it was me right mm-hmm. i would i would want to take the experts maybe there's something they're reading on the wall like you know, um, past this Mm. level and, um, poisonous darts will shoot at your face. And like, I would want the person to read the wall and tell me that, you know, translate.
0: Mm. I will say though that uh, in in this situation, Howard Carter is also a expert, even though the department of antiquities and stuff like that, like from Egypt, they are, you know, they are local experts and that they are also supposed to be part of this legally speaking. But Howard is also like, an expert, yeah. even Lord Carnarvon was apparently a pretty good archaeologist on his own.
1: Carl, Carl was also an expert on planes. <laughs> I don't trust it. That's, I don't trust rich white people that is <laughs> fair. say that they're is, experts.
0: That is, that is quite fair. I will say uh, Howard Carter, not rich, uh, normal person. Just, no, but that was the Egyptologist, right? Yes. Yeah, but I'm talking about
1: the, the Lord, rich, Lord the Lord, the Lord who mm. and the wife who wanted to go in.
0: Oh yes. Oh yeah, they're rich people. Uh, we can't trust them for mm. shit. They maybe explored around a little bit. And a few days later, the Egyptian authorities arrive on the scene and the tomb is officially opened and the suspicions are confirmed. They had just found the most well-preserved tomb in all of Egyptian archaeology that not even grave robbers had managed, or maybe even dared, to set foot inside of. Howard Carter and Lord Carnarvon became instant celebrities all around the world after this event. To the common's body was examined. Doctors could find, you know, the clubfoot, for example. They could see that he died quite young. And they could see a scar on his left cheek that was standing out, weirdly enough. That was curiously noticeable. Artifacts and treasures began to be catalogued, photographed, and they would be carried off for study and safekeeping. All is well. safe Safekeeping. Um... <clears throat> I, I will. I mentioned this actually quite later, but like this is after Egypt's independence. Um, they that is something that they negotiated. Uh, all of the artifacts that they found within the tomb actually do belong to the Egyptian government mm. and have since this moment. Oh, so no, fun. they for once, for once, it's not about British people taking it all back to Britain. Like because mm. all of this is still owned by Egypt and is typically displayed at the Cairo Museum.
1: Fun fact: What I was going to say is like sounds. Like, that gold was real safe inside the tomb also. They, it didn't need to be taken up. you know? That
0: is fair. And there are some questions about potential stealing, yeah. potentially. So, the, you, you, yes, that is true. But right now, all is well. Expedition successful. But all...
1: That weird scar. Mm, Let's not think about the scar mm, too much.
0: Mm, you, know, you know, put a pin in the <laughs> But all was not well for long. Carter would often work in the field and had to rely on messengers to carry things and letters back and forth between the dig site and his home in Luxor, which was nearby. And according to several sources, one night, the very same night that they made their unauthorized entrance into the tomb, a messenger witnessed an ominous event. When the messenger was nearing Carter's home, he thought he heard a faint, Almost human cry. And when he entered the home, instead of Carter's canary in its normal birdcage... I
1: knew it was going to be be the canary. I was like, please, (laughs) please, I hope the canary
0: doesn't die. Instead of Carter's canary in its birdcage, there was a cobra. The symbol of the Egyptian monarchy. And Carter's canary had died in its mouth. Ominous.
1: Yeah, don't like that.
0: A little bit after this, a short time after this, in fact... Lord Carnarvon was found dead. A mosquito bite had become infected and he had died of blood poisoning. A mosquito bite on Lord Carnarvon's cheek.
1: Do you know what I was actually thinking? Like, I hope it's not the daughter. I hope it's not a daughter because you no, know the daughter. Like, the always... daughter doesn't
0: come up again. You don't have to worry about the daughter. Okay, Daughter's that's fine. Then.
1: But like you know how it, like a trope is always like oh the, mm. the things and the people that are dear to the main people involved. It's like sort of a gradual <laughs> increase in, in severity. But I'm I'm happy the daughter is like thriving in Britain. She has nothing nothing to worry about.
0: Yeah, I think she may have even been in Egypt uh, occasionally also, just vacationing.
1: Mm. But she's fine. Yeah, I mean, she's fine. She,
0: she, she was fine. She's also apparently good Egyptologist on her own account, yeah. and like, uh, you know.
1: Hope she doesn't steal uh, ancient uh, relics for her own I would gain. hope,
0: I would hope this as well. But I wish her well. <laughs> now, legends say that the curse had claimed its first victim, but it would not be the last. Shortly after visiting the tomb, in July of 1923, Prince Ali Kamel Fari Bey was shot dead by his wife because a lot of Egyptian uh, nobles and like rich people, they want to come and see the tomb as they're excavating it. He visits it, wife shoots him dead. Why? Unknown. George J. Gould, an American railway magnate, who was also visiting as a tourist to the tomb, died from a fever in 1923, immediately after visiting the tomb of Tutankhamun. And also, Lord Carnarvon's half-brother also died from blood poisoning in 1924. One of the last of the notable deaths was one of the doctors who examined Tutankhamun's body, Sir Archibald Douglas Reed, who died from a mysterious illness in 1924. Many people now who have entered the tomb or visited have now fallen sick and died very shortly after visiting the tomb. And to be clear, not a lot of people entered the tomb to begin with, because mm. it's, a, it's a tomb, you know, like you're not going to enter a lot of people. Most people would maybe watch from far away. But if you're rich and powerful, you could enter. And if you did, maybe you had a big chance of dying. Poppycock, say you, but consider the following. According to a close friend of Howard Carter, anthropologist Henry Field, a paperweight was given to another of Carter's friends, Sir Bruce Ingram, which was composed of a mummified hand, with its wrist adorned with a scarab bracelet marked with the following: "Cursed be he who moves my body." To him shall come fire, water, and pestilence. Soon after receiving the gift, Bruce Ingram's house burned down. After rebuilding the house, the house flooded. And then kind of I the nose there. And then I guess he got sick afterward. <clears throat> He didn't die though. Like he was like he didn't die. His house got fucked twice, but that's it. Sorry, well it's still not good. I just
1: think it's interesting that both of our stories are basically like happening
0: at the same time. I know, right? It's the most Halloween time. Mm -hmm. But what about Carter, the main archaeologist, the guy who's like in charge of the actual work? What happened to him? Well, in 1926, while still working in the Valley of Kings, he wrote in his diary that he had seen, for the first time ever, in his almost 40 years of working in the desert, a jackal. A rare type of jackal that just so happens to be the same one as Anubis, ancient Egyptian god of the dead and protector of graves. But he himself did not suffer any ill effects, it seems. In fact, he seemed to have done quite well for himself. Several royal honors by the Egyptian royal family, honorary doctorates at several prestigious universities around the world, and a lifelong lucrative career as an author on books on Egyptology. Recognition, long time coming, or is it spiritual intervention involved? Mm. (laughs) Now, that is the curse of the tomb of Tutankhamun, a very popular like curse that uh, people talk about. But now we reach the point where I have to bring us down to reality a little bit. Mm-hmm. But also, I want to very quickly mention not not to distract too much from the Halloween theme of this episode. Some real curses to finish off my segment. Very very quickly, initially, uh, Tutankhamun's tomb did not have a curse. Just did not have one uh egyptian tombs sometimes do but this one did not so it's just like people I, made it up
1: i still wouldn't go in
0: that's quite that's very reasonable uh there is no uh saying on his uh on the doorway but he did have the scar on the cheek and lord carnivore did actually get the bite on the cheek which mm. is ominous mm. right um howard carter just a normal dude. I don't want to besmirch his name by like claiming he's like a witch uh, who's like using ancient Egyptian magics to get benefits. Like he's like he's a normal guy. He was a scholar, you know, like a guy. And as I mentioned, the artifacts are owned entirely by the Egyptian government, uh, except for a few things that may have been given to the archaeologists, like as sort of like gifts for the, for their discovery. Uh, so at long last, we don't have to be angry at British dudes stealing things from Egypt, and. Of course the opening of this tomb was so significant that it caused mummy mania to basically come up again and it became such a public media spectacle that we ended up with the term king tut like it's weird that a pharaoh has a nickname right like no one else has that and also like who knows any other pharaoh and that's all because of this media media hype and it's also probably the media hype that led to there being a legend of the curse because people wanted to keep it in the news for as much as possible. Mm. Uh, But all the stories about houses burning down and flooding and the cobra eating the bird, all real stories that real officials and academics and journalists told. So... Like, that kind of stuff was reported in the news, and it happened. And the really weird one is, the we, the one that, where you go like, well, maybe there is a curse, in fact. Maybe there is something going on. Is that the cobra story, the story about the cobra eating the canary and stuff, that was reported in December 22nd of 1922, which is before anyone dies. Mm-hmm. It's before, basically, they've even entered the inner chamber of the tomb. So... What did the New York Times know? Like, because there was no there was no curse speculation. There was nothing. So that that was a weird story to have, unless there's a bad omen for a curse. But yeah, the curse itself is uh, fake. Doesn't exist. Just media hooey and about a lot of unfortunate uh, coincidences that a lot of people yeah. Kind but of how deny.
1: do you know it's a coincidence though? Should happened.
0: Yeah, and here is a good thing actually. Here is where the medical aspect I can sneak it in here at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people have looked into it, mm-hmm. people have tried to figure out like what did happen, why did so many people die uh, in, like, in a very short time after vi- visiting the, the tomb. And for a long time, there was a bit of a speculation that it could be some sort of fungal growth inside the tomb that nestled within the lungs of people and then that lowered people's immune systems to the point where like, they could be killed very easily by other things. Um, doesn't really explain uh, the guy who got shot by his, by his wife, but, you know... Or like, the
1: house burning down and flooding. Y- but it
0: could explain Lord Carnarvon, for example. Mm. Um, and it could explain some other people who just died of mysterious illnesses. Those, like, people who couldn't really figure out back, back then either. Yeah. Um, but odds are that this is also not true like odds are it's just a coincidence people have tried to like measure but what it okay stuff. but what
1: is a curse like what is a curse after all maybe the, well, yeah, know, the curse? because like because what even that? the you know thriller indiana jones um movie trope is mm-hmm. also like you know a, a tomb has a curse and the curse is you get a poison dart in your forehead <laughs> and die you know that's still kind of a curse like that's you shouldn't go in because something bad is gonna happen that's so true. like I would maybe be so bold as to count the weird fungal
0: infection also occurs. Oh, that's true. That's a good point.
1: Don't go in there. Could be. Bad things will happen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Could be. Uh, you can go in there actually quite, right now. Uh, it's, they've converted his tomb to a museum. His, his body is there. <laughs> they put it back. That sucks. <laughs> but now.
1: that like That's so disrespectful.
0: It's, it's almost 4,000 years. But speaking of all of this. I don't want to pull you away too much from the horror Halloween mystery a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I want to put us back into it right before we leave by talking about some real curses. And the following is 100% real. Like, I'm not doing, taking any creative liberty with anything I'm saying. And I need you to know that. Salem?
1: I believe My in her...
0: co-host here. Yes. <laughs> you, there will be a moment where you go, that's not true. But it is.
1: No, I fully believe in curses.
0: Very good. So, again... There are some real curses. Not all tombs have them, but some do. Uh, and they're usually like way more specific than what people like to think. So, like, death will come on swift wings, it's just like, okay, but what does that mean? It could mean anything. A real Egyptian curse would be something along the lines of Cursed be they who disturb the rest of a pharaoh. They that shall break the seal of this tomb shall meet death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose. Like, specifically that. And this is just an example of a curse. It's not a real, specific curse taken from a tomb, uh, because a lot of the time we can't translate them properly. Ancient Egyptian and, you know, modern language works a bit differently, so it's not a perfect translation. And a lot of the time, they're not, I I, I cast magic (laughs) upon you, you have disease. It's more like, trespassers will be prosecuted type of, sign, you know, mm-hmm. but if you see a sign like that you're not gonna be like oh the sign is gonna prosecute me, you know, like it's it's, it's, a, it's a it's a don't enter sign like get the fuck out But sometimes it can be a little spicy people take a lot of creative liberties with it Take for example the tomb of vizier ankh from four thousand years ago That had a curse that warrants that anything a trespasser might do against this my tomb The same shall be done to your property And it also warrants that the vizier has powerful magic that will cause you to have a fear of ghosts, which... I'm already scared of ghosts. It's fun, but like, why is it so specific? Yeah. It also like implies that like most ancient Egyptians just were fine with ghosts. And like, but if you mess with this tomb, you'll be scared of ghosts.
1: Also, I love that the the threat is not that ghosts are going to come and do something to you. You're just going to be scared of them. <laughs> yes. He's cursing you with being a pussy. <laughs> being a... Coward. Pussy. Coward bitch, little coward, coward little bitch.
0: N- not as a joke. When people talk about curses generally in ancient Egypt and they're like, you know, abandon hope, you enter here because like the, the the fate of the world will come against you or some shit like that. Like very vague terminology. Uh, the, the, the internet meme, I cast testicular torsion, <laughs> is a more analogous curse to what ancient Egypt Egyptian curses would be. Because mm-hmm. they, they would probably say some shit like that. Like, if you mess with tomb, a tomb, testicular torsion. Get it. <laughs> but, again, very specific, right? So, before we move on to the last curse, my favorite curse, the best curse that I could find in, my, in doing my research, I do want to ask you a question. And I promise you this makes sense in context of the curse. Mm-hmm. So, you know the feeling when you see a goose... That has a long neck. Mm-hmm. And you really want to strangle it. it. I want to no. strangle it like so You, bad. you want to. It. It's, it's just made for it grasping. It feels so good. It would feel so good, Right. With
1: like a double hander, oh,
0: you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you know that you know exactly the vibe I'm going for. Yeah. the, the mm-hmm. feeling that I don't.
1: I, I'm, like, I'm like weirdly afraid you're gonna jump out to like strangle me right now. I would never. <laughs> now I curse you with the <laughs> the goose strangling curse. Oh, <laughs> the goose strangling curse. <laughs> like I'm generally afraid, like somebody's gonna like. No, 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 You hired an actor to come behind oh, me. Oh my like,
0: god! No, 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 no. There's nothing like that. Okay, but. This does bring us to the end of my segment. Mm-hmm. Um, and to the tomb of Kentika Ikekti from the 6th dynasty, which is quite old. This is like a, a thousand years before common even. And it is my favorite, real, and actually kind of magic. It implies it's actually going to do it to you. So it's not just a stop sign, a mm-hmm. uh, curse. And it goes as follows. As for all men who enter this, my tomb, impure There will be judgment. An end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird. (laughs) I shall cast the fear of myself into him.
1: (laughs) I shall seize his neck like a bird. Oh,
0: I will seize his neck like a bird and cast (laughs) the fear of myself in him. That's so well
1: said. God, I want to seize somebody's neck like a bird.
0: Again, like, I, I kind of just want to read the whole thing again. Just for yeah, sort of for like... Just let's, let's really savor, like, every, like, part of it. Mm-hmm. As for all men who enter this, my tomb, impure, <laughs> there will be judgment. <laughs> An end shall be made for him. I shall seize his neck like a bird. <laughs> I shall cast the fear of myself into him. Which, I have my so God. Many qu-
1: I have so many. Like, it's so good. It's mean, like, it's the, so good. the mummy hand is gonna, like, pop out and grab him by the neck? Or, like, a ghost hand? Or, like, somebody else is gonna come?
0: I mean, that's, a, that, I feel that's, like, that's where I'm the so, vagueness comes in, I guess. We
1: should really send the man in and see what happens. <laughs> Listeners. <laughs>
0: Some um, uh, If you're our You man,
1: would have the chance to go, do something so funny, so valuable for us as podcasters. Go to ancient Egypt.
0: <laughs> Enter the tomb of Kintika Iktekti.
1: <laughs> Let us know what happens. We will give you a shout out <laughs> in the next episode.
0: <laughs> if your neck is grasped like a goose. Gri- uh, grip. Seized. seized. <laughs> but Does I, she
1: cast the fear of her into you?
0: I do think that... Ketekta is a man, I will say.
1: Um, hello what?
0: Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, I, I do much, I much prefer I much the prefer, idea. Can we
1: just pretend it's, a, it's part, Yeah, it's her. It's the lady.
0: Yeah. Any man who enters this tomb, impure. <laughs> but I, I love that it's just impure. 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 Dirty.
1: <laughs> Stinky.
0: Unemployed. <laughs> I will seize your neck like a goose
1: <laughs> like a bird god i love a good <sighs> curse i i love a good curse
0: because like this is this is the type of shit that they would do very specific i will seize your neck like a bird like that's good shit.
1: we should be more poetic like i i love the poetry right? of it i love the just the, the creative liberty she took with it you know right
0: ancient egypt actually had especially early on especially like during this time uh, they had a they had a whole thing, like basically therapy, which I quite like, um, where you would write down basically what you would like to happen to your enemies, and then they would write it down on clay tablets, and then they would break the tablet after finishing ri- writing it, and that would, you know, manifest it. That would make it happen. Sort of.
1: Amazing. As a structured
0: cultural activity.
1: Mm-hmm. You did that in a group too, one with the girl east night. Wish, wish death and pestilence on your enemies.
0: But yeah, that's my segment on uh, curses. Very and, good. Uh, and ancient Egypt. Um, as for all listeners who enter this, our podcast, impure. No, don't <laughs> no, call them impure. Pure. <laughs> uh, there will be, outro, <laughs> an end shall be made of the podcast. I shall thank you, my dear co-host, and you, our listeners, and of course, our dear patrons, like birds. And our I stinky,
1: shall... stinky goals, thank you.
0: Our stinky goals. I shall cast the appreciation of my own admiration <laughs> to the listeners into you. <laughs> very, thank you.
1: Very good. Very nice. Did you write that? Did you come up? I came up with that right now. Oh, Amazing. This feels like um, a
0: spoken word. Oh, it does feel like spoken word. Any man enter my tomb. Impure. Impure. <laughs> I'm gonna. I've been thinking just impure since I saw. Because I saw this on Wednesday. <laughs> We're recording this on a Friday. I I saw this two days ago, mm-hmm. and I've been thinking impure.
1: <laughs> you wake up in the morning, <laughs> open your eyes. Impure. Impure.
0: <laughs> I'm just like I just think that that's what's happening. The mummy is just like. A man in my tomb? Impure. <laughs> I Ew. shall seize your neck like, I'm a, like a bird.
1: <laughs> Ew, man.
0: Impure. Uh, gross. There will be judgment.
1: <laughs> anyway. Um, <so laughs> I'm what, just repeating what, this over and over. Uh, what did we learn today? Misogyny is bad. Mm-hmm. Men are weird and impure.
0: And, and if
1: you're a rich white guy who's going in to steal relics, then uh, Impure impure uh, get fucked <laughs> your house is gonna burn down and also flood and also pestilence so. and also <laughs>
0: pestilence i do have to do like the last tiny bit of like redemption arc for lord carnivore on here at the, at the very very tiny he doesn't deserve it because he like when collect because like for collecting for his own personal collection like sure before egypt independence before they got all the before they owned everything like he <clears throat> he probably did start taking out some a, a fair number of stuff. But I, he is kind of credited with sort of, like, like, making archaeology cool. And without his funding, we wouldn't have a lot of the artifacts of ancient Egypt that we have right now. Because if you have ever been in a museum and you've seen anything from ancient Egypt, like a sarcophagus or, a, or like, a scepter or, yeah. a, like, anything like <clears throat> that, it's a really high reliable chance it comes from the Tomb of Tutankhamun. Yeah. Um, and... I'm not gonna say he was a great guy. He probably wasn't. He was probably like a bit of a douchebag occasionally. Uh but as f- from what I could see, he he wasn't like an abjectly like awful dude compared to many other sort of like archaeologists. He just liked he just liked ancient Egypt. And he yeah. wanted to he wanted to he wanted to appreciate it as much as possible. So I and say e- and even a lot of people in Egypt at the time, they were like, hey, we kinda like work on it.
1: Yeah, I so here's the thing. I really like ancient Egyptology. Um as any as any young gay, I was obsessed with ancient Egypt.
0: <laughs> Dinosaurs, cryptids, ancient In- Egypt, uh, often gods specifically. Gods
1: specifically. God. And also um, mythology, mm-hmm. big one. But I just, I have a, a, a problem with like people stealing items from graves. Yeah, for sure. Like I'm, I'm so grateful for all the, you know, historical artifacts that I've been able to see. But like just not from graves, not from graves.
0: Yeah.
1: Leave the graves alone. <laughs> So I I respect you trying to give him a nice little redemption arc and again like
0: it's very reasonable mm. but that's why they kept all the shit. <laughs> a lot of other archaeology you can just be like oh I found a house, you know. The grave, I found a house. I'm got some cool stuff in it. He, Egyptians kept all their stuff in the graves.
1: Hmm. Okay, well don't okay, can we draw the line at mummies? Leave the mummy in the grave. I don't want like can they you They put ma- the they put it back. Isn't it displayed in the museum?
0: No, not, not King Tut. King Tut's in the grave again. Okay, good. Because they turned they turn that into a museum. So you can go into that chamber and you can see him yeah, where he's supposed yeah, to be. They put like, him back. Okay,
1: but like people... Okay, like I don't... I wouldn't want to be sort of buried and like have...
0: People come Dirty, and look at noisy me. people come like and look no. at me.
1: Like they call it That's rest fair. in peace for a reason. That's true. <laughs> You're supposed to rest in peace. Where's the peace? Where's the peace? Well, when he, your house is a museum.
0: He slept enough. He slept for three and a half thousand
1: no, years. No, he there. needs to sleep. <laughs>
0: he's a tired boy
1: he's a tired boy who is also sick and inbred and he he needs his
0: rest rest. anyway anyway that's our halloween special episode uh
1: mm, one out of two there's another one coming that is true i got another one uh next one super excited about it's not about a man this time because we're decentralizing men (laughs)
0: Are we decent- um, we Decentralizing Men. Okay, pronunciation check. decentering de- or decentralizing? Oh
1: decentering men. Decentering men. Um and it's about um cryptid question mark? Cryptid. Uh possible weird shit going on in the mountains. Ooh, question mark? Maybe North Soviet Union. Soviet Union. Soviet Union. <gasps> that one. Mm. Mm. So you're just going to have to wait and see when it comes out.
0: Do you remember my topic for the next one? I don't remember.
1: Yeah. Alien abductions. abductions.
0: That's right. Aliens.
1: So we got a real special one coming.
0: Aliens. Uh,
1: coming out soon um so i hope you are as excited as we are i fucking love spooky so i could do a whole podcast just spooky (laughs) so
0: we do a spin-off podcast that's just like spooky
1: medical shit it's
0: just this i would be down actually i would
1: be so down but
0: we have to end we have to to stop recording we it's you have so much to edit unfortunately yeah i feel so bad for that but thank you for hanging Um, out with us thank you for doing this podcast with me as always I hope that you listening and maybe watching on um, the Patreon video had also had a great time. Remember to follow us on social media. Maybe um, leave a Twitter. nice review and maybe um, even check out our Patreon twi- if you are so inclined. Twitter Leechfest
1: Podcast uh, Patreon Leechfest. I think
0: there's a there are links in the podcast's possibly episode thing there are you yes they are
1: they are okay um patreon ah. and twitter and 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 please do rate us on spotify you can even leave comments and i love reading your comments i think they're so fun they're so good. and they really it's like you know sometimes we record and i'm like this is just for me to edit and like send it into the abyss and nobody actually listens to this and then i read the comments and yeah. i'm like wow real people listen to this podcast <laughs> and i love it <laughs> tell us you know, tell us what you think and tell us like a little, I don't know, send us a message and be like, my name is, um, you don't have to tell us your name, but like, I work with this and, you know, I listen to the podcast <laughs> My name then. is this.
0: My social security number
1: is this. <laughs> I just, I think it would be really interesting to know who listens to our podcast.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I, 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 yeah, I would also like to know that, your name, your social security number, uh, your card, credit card information, credit card, and also uh, the three also the little thing yeah, on the back, if exactly.
1: you just PayPal, like password.
0: I... Have been Mia.
1: And I have been a Salem.
0: And a happy Halloween.